And here we go. We are amongst very hearty people tonight. But you actually got out to have this many people at a Bible study on a night that feels like it's 20 below. Feels like to me. Maybe not, but... We're in 1 Samuel, your title there uh, actually got added to, so I have a different title than you do. starts with mass murder, but then I added by insane leadership. I had to stick that in there, didn't I? Because it's absolutely true in this text that we look at tonight. The... uh, David has been kind of on the run and he wound up going out of the country. Of course, he'd been to the Philistines and then he went out to the country after uh, Judah and uh, that was Moab. And then the prophet comes along and tells him, you need to leave back into Judah. So that's what he did. And so that's where he's at now. Take it back a little bit. It all started with the women. That's where the downfall started. Uh-oh. I'm outnumbered here. Watch out. We're outnumbered, Avil. Uh The reason I say that, they sang a song. <laughs> You're taking their side? <laughs> when the women of Israel started singing their song of celebration, uh, giving David great honor, And whenever they did that, that's where everything went downhill. When women praise God, watch out! Because there will be a lot of suspicion. Saul tried to kill David after that in a way that wouldn't look bad. Nobody really would know what it was. Before long, he's ordering his servants to kill David, and Jonathan comes in and talks him out of that plan. And then, of course, later Saul takes the spear even at his own son. Uh, Various means that Saul has used to try to kill David. I don't know how many times there's been. But we know that God spares David's life every attempt that Saul makes to kill him. Uh, it is now necessary for David to flee. He's on the run. We've already seen that. It continues. And we looked at last week where he went to the priest's place and uh, he was offered sacred bread and the sword of Goliath, which was actually David's sword because he took it from Goliath. Uh, Now, we have consequences of that event. Consequences are going to follow in chapter 22 and in 23. Uh, that's where we're going to be at tonight. Uh, as if we didn't know already, Saul has lost his grip on reality, and uh, matter of fact, he is mentally uh, having all sorts of problems. He should be in a mental hospital. He really should be. Uh, the battle of jealousy and depression, a constant state of fear and jealousy that he has, and becomes more and more intense as we gather up more information. It's quite frequent. Saul reaches an all-time low, as we will be looking at it tonight, and he will be killing innocent people as he tries to kill David. And he has very few moments of sanity, if it's there at all, 
What a jealous rage is driving this uh, Saul. So, you know, it's unthinkable of the things that he does. And the more and more we have to ask, is Saul really a believer? (laughs) I don't think we really have to ask anymore, do we? I really am uh, having doubts even more and more about his salvation. Uh, Extremely, uh, is the way that I would put it, unthinkable things. So let's pray. Lord, as we gather in Your name to uh, worship You by reading Your Word, by studying, by sharing the thoughts that You give us through Your Spirit of uh, understanding who You are, what Your plan is, how You work through people, whether they be Your people or whether they be uh, on the other side as enemies. You still work through. You are a sovereign God. You are the King of kings, the sovereign King of all. And as we look at You, we know You are the one that always has the answers. And may we look at this in the light of who You are always. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. So, we're at verse 6, chapter 22. David has come back to Judah. And we will now get into the story of Saul for a moment. As it goes back and forth between David and then Saul. Here's where Saul is going to get some intelligence from Doeg. Um, We start off with paranoia. I definitely would say that Saul would qualify, would you think, Penny, of being paranoid? (laughs) Is that an understatement, maybe? and mentally ill, yes, definitely. All right, we now have, that's from the official language of a trained psychologist. So, he definitely would be a study, wouldn't he? Did you ever have anybody like this to deal with? Pretty close? Kind of close. Would you say this is psychotic? Yes. Okay. Psychotic mass murder by an insane leader. <laughs> Insane. He's just crazy. He's just crazy. That's all it is. That's that doesn't work. That that doesn't qualify. Then does it? He's just just <laughs> normal. As we all are, as we get out tonight in this kind of weather, and just to study the Word of God. That's a crazy good, isn't it? It's a good crazy. Well, verse 6, Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered. Now Saul was sitting in Gibeah under the tamarisk tree on the height with the spear in his hand. All his servants were standing around him. Saul said to his servants who stood around him, Hear now, O Benjamites, will the son of Jesse also give all of you fields and vineyards? Will he make you all commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds? For all of you have conspired against me, so that there is no one who discloses to me when my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse. And there is none of you who is sorry for, for me or discloses to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in ambush as it is this day. Then Doeg the Edomite, who was standing by the servants of Saul, said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. He inquired of the Lord for him, gave him provisions, and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. 
<laughs> Doeg, yeah. Yeah. Well, you have to deal with the spear here. He has the spear in his hand. Do you see a problem with having a spear in his hand every, every time you, you see him now? What do you think's going on? He's afraid, and he says it right here. You're all against me. Everybody's against me. What, David? Jonathan. Servants. Benjamites here. Uh, you name it. And Doeg steps up there. We'll get to him in a moment. Sounds like he just wants a reward. Maybe he will get uh, special privileges from Saul, right? Doeg isn't exactly an Israelite. That's right. Doeg is not an Israelite. Uh, yeah, Doeg the Edomite is his official name. Edomite, yeah. So, a spear. Now, if you put him in the present uh, tense, he'd probably have a few 357 magnums around. How about an Uzi? You know, uh, you can name all the kind of gun, you know, automatic guns all around him, and he's got bodyguards everywhere. Uh, I mean, he is paranoid. He's terrible at the spear. Or either he's really good and God just intercepts it. I think that's probably the case. A host of bodyguards, though, always around him. His life is in danger as the king. Well, really, the life of the Israelites are in danger. Namely, today, the priest. Of course, David. Of course, uh, his son, Jonathan. Yeah, I want to know how he found out that Jonathan It gets around, uh, I guess. He didn't know about that at that, that was time. a big secret. And so then time has passed and somehow that's been disclosed. People spied around for it. Like, I saw Jonathan and David Jonathan. Yeah, that little kid yep. went to pick up the arrows. Yeah. Some fishy going there, right? <laughs> kid picks that up. I picked up some arrows and gave it back. Something <laughs> <laughs> Well, the whole world is against him. And a lot of times you can just feel things out. And he's thinking a lot of these things like this that aren't even true. Too. Everybody's against him. Yeah, he knew they were friends. Definitely. Yeah. And he knew that Jonathan was uh, a godly man, as is David. Saul, not so much. Well, he, he actually, cons- uh, I think there's a conspiracy here that he thinks it's going on against him. And you get that word conspire uh, twice in our text, verse 8 and verse 13. Why have you and the son of Jesse conspired against me? It says in verse 13. You notice he doesn't call him David. He calls him the son of Jesse. Interesting. Yeah. Doesn't even want to recognize who he is, does he? So the reality, though, is that God is the one that is taking his kingdom from him. It's not David. David isn't doing anything. Is David trying to kill him? 
But have you ever known those people that try to, you know, uh, blame you and accuse you for something that you've been thinking or is something or you've been doing something that say, yeah, I know you. I know what you've been doing. You guys ever had that? I bet you have. You know, it feels like, and, and David is having that happen. David doesn't, he's not going to do it. Matter of fact, when he gets the chances to do it, he doesn't take advantage of it. And you think he'd have full right to do it. But, you know, he's not thinking that, but people think they've, they can read minds. So, you know, he, that, this whole conspiracy thing, he uh, really, I think, doubles up on. He's accusing David. David is lying in ambush. David is not lying in ambush. He's running. He's, he's hiding. Uh, he's trying to avoid Saul. And, of course, I think it's interesting, the root of these accusations really goes back not to just David, but who? Jonathan. Yeah, he says, all of you, you know, you've conspired against me, all of you. You know, he speaks against them like that. Who would want to work for this man? You know, you're all guilty of it, you know. And and then he says, um, then he mentions, though, um, by the way, um, it's interesting. Yeah, you owe me. That's right. Not this son of Jesse. You remember me. Remember the guy hiding in the luggage? Yeah, right. Right. That's the same guy. Yep. And of course, it's amazing in these verses, these verses that we we look at, is that accusations that Saul makes against his own son. That's where it's all rooted at. It finally goes back to there because you know his own son makes a covenant uh, with David. Jonathan does, and so Jonathan, you know, he's really saying that led David astray. Okay, so Jonathan did make a covenant, but he didn't stir up my servant against me to lie in wait as at this day. Well, yeah, he didn't do that. That was all just that was that prophet who came and told. <laughs> that was just a prod that Saul had thought it up. And... Yep. So, you know, um, when my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse, and there's none of you who is sorry for me or discloses me that my son has stirred up my servant. Right there. Stirred up my servant. Yeah. So, and we know better than that. That's not the case at all. No. Uh, the servants, he's surrounded by them. There he is, you know, underneath that tree, and he's reminding them the nature of politics it spoils a victory, and uh, the, a reward for loyalty, as you say there. That's really what, uh, as he mentions this, and uh, they've been given quite a bit, really, and took positions. That's right. So, uh, if David becomes king. Will you enjoy the same kind of spoils? That's what he says. So they owe him. And up, they don't say anything. They're not going to say anything. Uh, they're, this time they're silent about David. Uh, and, you know, are they withholding information? Well, Doeg speaks, and he's the Edomite. And uh, he has uh, ample reason to pass on to Saul what he observed. 
And his information is quite the intelligence to Saul. Saul didn't know this. He finds out about it. Some things are true about the bread, the sword. Uh, the inquiring is another thing, really. I guess you could say, did he did he really do a, inquiring as for wisdom, you know, in that sense? Uh, uh, first of all, the priest doesn't even know that that he's really fleeing from Saul. Maybe he suspects it, but do we see David say that he is? No, it's actually the opposite, as he kind of lies to him. Maybe he might get a promotion from yeah. being a shepherd. He was the head shepherd, <laughs> but you know, big deal. What's the, yeah? But now, I mean, you know, let's just see what happens with him, right? Yeah, uh-huh. He gets a little promotion. Hey, it's well, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, you know, he. The thing is, he doesn't tell Saul here. That you know, I guess you could say is is that David never informed Ahimelech that you know he was fleeing from Saul. He never says that, does he? But Saul hears it the way that he wants to hear it. Saul is not interested in learning all of the truth of this. He hears what he wants to hear, and that's enough evidence to condemn. The priest now here too, you know, since everybody is against him. So now we go on to the massacre at Nob. Hey, Avell, how much reading do you feel like you could do right now? Could, could you take 11 through 23? Yeah. <laughs> the rest of the chapter, yes, all of it. <laughs> Thanks. father's whole family, who were the priests of Nod. And they all came to the king. 
Saul said, listen now, son of Ahitab. I'm not saying that right. It sounds pretty good to me. Yes, my lord, he answered. Saul said to him, why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, giving him bread and the sword and inquiring of God for him, so that he has rebelled against me and lies in wait for me as he does today? Ahimelech answered the king, Who of all your servants is as loyal as David, the king's son-in-law, captain of your bodyguard, and highly respected in your household? Was that day first? Was that day the first time I inquired of the Lord for him? Of course not. Let not the king accuse your servant of any of his father, any or his father's family. For your servant knows nothing at all about this whole affair. But the king said, You will surely die, Ahimelech, you and your father's whole family. The king ordered the guard, guards at his side, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because they too have shed, sided with David. They know he, they knew he was fleeing, yet they did not tell me. But the king's officers were not willing to raise a hand to strike the priests of the Lord. The king then ordered Doeg, You turn and strike down the priests. So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck them down. That day he killed 85 men who wore the linen ephod. He also put to the sword Nod the town of the priest, with its men and women, its children and infants, and its cattle, donkey, and sheep. But Abirthar, a son of Ahimelech, son of Ahud, escaped and fled to join David. He told David that Saul had killed the priest of the Lord. Then David said to Abirthar, that day, when Doeg, the Edomite, was there, I knew he would be sure to tell Saul, I am responsible for the death of your father's whole family. Stay with me. Do not be afraid. The man who is seeking your life is seeking mine also. You will be safe with me. Oh, there's, a, there's a covering thought. Stay right here. So, Stay with me. me too. <laughs> so I find something very interesting that Saul did in this passage. He kills the women, the children, the priests. He kills the donkeys and the animals and the infants. But he didn't do that when it came to the uh, nations. Uh, his yes. own people. What? I was reading behind. I had that in my notes. You stole it, man. That's good. Yeah, we already read it all. So. No. What it is, though, you got that's a keen insight because he didn't do that with the guys that he was supposed to wipe out. Right. He did. And did Doeg, he was the one who. Is he? Is it supposed to imply that he was the one who slayed all the people? Because, he did it all by himself. Because that's what it says. I mean, Eighty-five of them. Now he doesn't have anybody with him. Did he have other groups with him? 
and how he did it by himself. I don't know if anybody's rounding all the other ones up and holding them there. I'm sure the guards are doing something. They're not going to kill the priest, but are they helping out by just holding them up? I don't know. Somehow the guy kills them all. You'd think those guys would be running, wouldn't you? So... So, what we have here is Saul has heard all he thinks he need to know to do what he does now. In his mind, not only... And thanks for reading that, Avell. You can see why I didn't do it. Did you see some of those names in there? <laughs> they're, they're tough. <laughs> I felt like I was reading Greek. Or Hebrew, maybe, in this text. but uh, Ahimelech. Uh, not only Ahimelech, though, you know, he kills the priesthood. Here's a conspiracy against him. Ahimelech and the priest, they're also against him. So he summons them to come there to him. So there might be something to this in this summoning of keeping them all together rather than them being at Nob and they meet them at Nob. He summons them. And it's like a court. It's a court case. It's horrible. Right, Audrey? I mean, where is where where are the facts put out here? You know, it's it's like he already has preconceived what already happened. He doesn't get to the truth. He just goes with what he wanted it to be. And I've got a feeling this is an ominous thing when the priests are summoned to Saul and Abiathar. Can you imagine how they're feeling when they hear this? This is a madman in office. It's getting around. And you know, there's one thing about being a madman, but there's another about being a, a, a madman who is a dictator like Stalin or Nero or Hitler, or Lenin, or Mao Zedong, just go on and on and on. And you hear about these guys, that they are insane. They take absolute power, and it's amazing how people listen to what they tell them to do. I've always wondered, if you have a madman leading, does it, why doesn't somebody just say, we're not going to do it? Why don't the police say, no, there's no way I'm going to arrest somebody because they don't go to church, or because they're going to church. There's no way I'm going to go in there and arrest them. And some sheriffs have said that, those kind of things. I refuse to do that because they know that that is against the law anyway. But here it is, these guys that are insane and they're irrational, there's nobody that stops them. And if you had enough people, if they said, no, we're not going to do it, Matter of fact, we're going to run you right out of office because of that, right? I was uh, I read about an experiment that people did, and so you have this guy in the lab coat, and you have two volunteers just off the street, and the guy in the lab coat would have one person in a room with the control panel, and another person in the other room, or you can see them through a glass window, sitting on a chair, it looks like they're hooked up to something, and it's a psychological experiment. The doctor in the coat is telling this guy, okay, you're, we're going to ask this guy in the chair questions. If he answers it wrong, you're going to push a button, they're going to get electric shock. For every answer they get wrong, we're going to increase the electrical current. Now, they told the guy in the, or the girl in the chair that 
when they get the answer wrong, just to pretend that each you're getting shot because you're not really going to get shot, but we're going to flash a light and you're going to pretend to get shot. Each time you get it wrong, act more like you're getting shot harder and harder. And so after a certain point, they would reach like kill levels. And when the people decided to say no, the doctor like, no, push the button, like do it. And so then they would feel like the authority of the person in the coat like had authority over them so that they just went ahead and continued to press the button even though it was way above the electrical amount of current to kill a person like three or four times over. So just having somebody who's in authority over you tell you what to do really influences the people and I think I think that's how we humans are, but for us who are in Christ, we have that freedom from that. Yeah. The truth will set you free. Right. And that's why you I, want to I, live I, it. I believe the Israelites back then were also captives mentally, like spiritually, and they were they were held captives by their synagogue leaders and stuff because that's where they would go to worship God. That's where they would go to try to connect with God. And so those leaders would just manipulate the people and they were trapped yeah. in their minds. So when Christ came, he was able to free that and free us. Yeah, Penny was shaking her head there. <laughs> I got a feeling he probably knew that one really well, right? That was a terrible, terrible experience. Those people that did what they were told, yeah. there were only two or three of the people that wouldn't do it. Is that right? They walked away. But the people that did it, mm-hmm. I mean, you could see this guy on the other side of the glass just screaming and writhing in pain and they did it anyway. Mm. Yeah. They had some severe consequences from that. That's horrible, isn't it? They had to be deprogrammed for a long time. That was all Think about all those kids on the way Hitler brainwashed them all. Yeah. And that's exactly how it is. He started with little kids and brainwashed them even to think that their parents were. I mean you sit here and you think well, I'd never do that. I wouldn't. But you don't know. I think that's when somebody is standing there saying, "Do it." I think that's what's going on with the media that's, now. Yeah. That's frightening. Wow. Yeah. Well, and and there's a whole bunch of come on. What's going to happen if you stand up against? Right. Right. Uh, what's going to happen to your job? What's going to happen to? Right. I mean, they're going to suffer some severe consequences if they don't go along with the rest of them. Yeah. So that, so that's why you. Isn't see that, that's what uh, what happens in a nation whenever yeah. socialism yeah. takes over? It's always the well, same pattern. Do you think most of the people want to be under such a system? That's not what they're thinking about. They're thinking about if I stand up against AOC or. <laughs> You know, Pelosi. Look at what Pelosi did to the lady that did stand up against her. I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's a mess up there. The pressure is incredible, isn't it? So, good illustrations there. That's what's hap- That's really what's happening here. That's what exactly. And, and who is there to correct him? Out of nobody. But you think everybody there is going? He's right. He's right. No, and their minds are gone. Well, even I can't said, believe this. Even they said we're not going to be putting our shoulders into God's anointing. No way. <laughs> we know better than that. <laughs> they they did, and they, at least they didn't succumb to yeah. you know 
killing him directly. They, so his soldiers seemed to stand up against him, like often. They didn't. They didn't want to call out Jonathan. Jonathan. They. Uh, what's another one? This incident. There's. A, I feel like there's another incident before this when they were supposed to go get David out of bed. You know. You think that if one of their own soldiers was being accused of something, you think they would let them be sick for a whole night and a half? You know. They would kick in the door and be like, "No, the king wants you. Take you straight to the king, sick or not." Yeah. So, you know, you can imagine the terror that was involved here. It's not just, you know, this is ominous that they even have to appear here in this summons. And it's a dreadful thing. I mean, they're dreading this completely to have to stand before Saul. And can you imagine how they felt on this occasion? And. Of course, he's not even asking any questions. He's not searching for the truth. He doesn't really care about it. He's superior to them. He doesn't seek the facts of the case. He hastens to condemn at this time. He doesn't even ask Elimelech, have you betrayed me? He's, He's actually more or less saying, why did you betray me? He didn't do it. He didn't do it. He didn't know anything. That's right. What does he say in 13? Um, Saul said to him, Why have you and the son of Jesse conspired against me? He doesn't have the facts. He's made, this is coming out of his own head. This never happened. Doeg failed to tell him that, but he's going on what Doeg said, and he's just magnifying it that much more. This is a horrible case, if it is, you know, definitely the accusation about uh, conspiring, Elimelech responds to this in defense, I think with remarkable poise. I thought that would have caused Saul to be like, oh yeah, you're right. But his response after that, I was like, I forgot Yeah, you got to admire him here. Elimelech answered the king and said, And who among all your servants is faithful as David? Out of all your servants here, who has been even more faithful? Even the king's son, and he is your son-in-law at that. And then he compares him to who? The captain, who is his most favored now and everything, you know, the great warrior that he is, which is, he's a son-in-law too, isn't he? Uh, over your garden is honored in your house. Did I just begin to inquire of God for him today? You know, he's done this before. He's the priest. He does that for people. That's that's his job. You know, he wants God's will to be in their lives. So you know, everything that he's doing in the defense is exactly right. And he stood up to Saul. You got to admit that he did not waver. I'll do anything if you keep us alive, you know, or anything like that. He, he just told the truth of, w- of what it was, and he defends David, which is probably any time that you stand up for righteousness and somebody else is right on it and you defend them, you now are considered a terrorist also. And that's what they call Christians now. We are terrorists to them. Have you heard that? used to just be deplorable. Terrorist is even worse than deplorable, isn't it? Unbelievable. So that's the word that's getting around now. 
Um, but, you know, he's a faithful servant. And that's simply what he has been. He has done everything that Saul has asked him to do, plus much more. He has made Saul look really good. And that whole deal with Goliath, when it started with that. He's just giving the witness of truth, right? But you can't use common sense to insanity. You try to reason. I've tried to reason with people that were insane. You can't get anywhere with them. How has, has that ever happened to you, Benny? Somebody that was you couldn't. There was no you could not reason with them. It's just like yeah, that was usually staff. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the yeah, it wasn't the clients, was it? <laughs> Good point, right here. Baby. It's like when uh, the apostle says, you know, reason with them once, try to reason with them twice, and they're, they're not willing. Then just yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> That's it. How often have we wanted to get them the truth, but they didn't want it? You can like you can tell it right away. Like I can tell really quick right away how many people are just so like dipped into this whole like every so many people will go around and they just want they want good vibes and spirituality. And if it, if you're not vibing right, and if you're not like super spiritual, meaning that you don't allow all this other spirituality stuff in your life. You're going to talk about all this judgment and all this punishment. Yeah, like, you know, right. you just try to be this one thing. They call you closed-minded, yeah. and then yeah. they just you're messing with their vibes. Yeah. And then it just and they just shut down so quick. They just shut down so quick. And you know you try to vibe with them, but the things that they want to do are things that you just don't want to be a part of. You're not gonna. Audrey, would would you be impressed with this testimony that he gave? Ahimelech, was it was it right? Was it good? The priest. Well, who's he defending? David. He's also defending himself there, and he's defending the priest. So um, there's the sentencing that happens, and the judge is absolutely nuts. He gives a death sentence, not just upon Ahimelech. The other priest didn't even know anything about this. All the priests who were gathered there, except, of course, one, uh, is going to be killed. 
Saul orders the guards standing by to get the priest and uh, to kill him. This is when they freeze up. They don't carry out the sentence the way that he wanted. They were unwilling to carry out Saul's order. That's good there in that sense. Saul even says with his own mouth, turn and kill the priests of the Lord. Of the Lord. Isn't that incredible? of the Lord. Wow. I would say that he is obviously under still demonic oppression. Because you don't let something like that just fly out of your mouth. The priest of Yahweh. Yeah. And he doesn't call him false priest. The priest of the personal one God. Wow. And that's why I'm like, after reading that, I'm like, Saul's... Because he's still got, you know, that demonic oppression that comes every now and then. Who's to say it's not still, like, lingering within him? Still... Yeah, definitely, definitely not. Definitely not here. So, and who is he really getting at now? He's getting at God. God. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. Hmm. I'm glad I didn't read ahead this time. This is unbelievable. And I heard today on Christian radio, on bot radio, there was a Democrat, and maybe it was at at whatever they're doing right now, they're hearing, you know, they're trying to, trying to impeach, you know. And I don't know if it was there or somewhere else. I tell you what, it might not have been a politician. It might have been one of the... Uh, Elite people, they I think they named his name, the the guy who is a TV host that has absolutely hated Christians for years. He's an atheist. Oh, it's close. The black guy who does that. No. Oh. Oh. Excuse me for that. I, I wished I'd had his name, but I will tell you that he and he was talking about Christians. And, you know, he's more or less saying that we are like the terrorists. We are the enemies. And, and the, the Christians are the ones who... And then he started making fun of them because they read the Bible. And then he started quoting out of Revelation. And guess where he was quoting out of? You know where we read last Sunday? When he's talking about, you know, whether it be, you know, of course, the, the seven... Uh, the trumpets and the, the demons with, with the heads. You know, That's us. Is that us? The, this well, he was just saying they believe all of this stuff, oh. and you know, in the way that he put it out, you know, he's making fun of Christians because they believe in revelation and such. And it's like, wow, man, he he just he didn't attack me, he didn't attack Christians, he attacked God's word, and who God is. And all I could say is what what you just said there was. Wow, I just heard somebody really blasting God. Yeah. They have the boldness of saying those things and, and that He doesn't uh, exist. The Lord says when He comes, He, he will not be mocked. He says, I am, God, I am the Lord and I will not be mocked. And for all those who mock Him and be this funny as a joke, they will be laughing and they will be so bold when they stand before Him. So I've heard atheists say, when I stand before God... 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what did you just were, say? If you were anything like the Apostle John, who fell as though he were dead before the Lord, what makes you think you have a chance? Somebody who doesn't even like the Lord, you don't even stand a chance. <laughs> the Apostle Paul, whom the Lord loved, fell as though he were dead. So, you know, you might get enough for that. They're gonna get him. They're gonna beat him up. Wow, can you imagine that? The God who holds the universe. I'm gonna tell him some things, huh? Why don't we put you on the at the mountain where Moses went up, and we'll let you people just realize, and then you can just be afraid of just the lightning and the thunder that came from that mountain top. Well, in Revelation, way at the end, it says that they knew it was God, yeah. and they shook their fists at him anyway. Yep. Defiant. They knew it was him. That's evil. That is what his wrath is for, is for all that. Because like, to know that... I mean, at least this that, idiot doesn't know. It's in the heart of the person. <laughs> just, <laughs> at least he doesn't know that there's a God. Yeah, you know what, he, he used this. I thought it was interesting. That's right where we're at. He said, yeah, they have, and it's just like it's quoting this. The appearance of locusts was like horses prepared for battle and all that. The faces of men, and they had hair, the hair of women, and the teeth of lions. And he said, those people believe that. Some in in some way he's saying like that. You know, he's saying, who, who are these people? And I'm going, boy, that is up front to, you know, who Christians are and what they believe and then to make light of that. And uh, That's it. That's the name. Yes, I, I could not think of his name. Bill Maher is who that was. He's probably got gray hair now. But anyway, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Doeg is the murderer here. He will now kill the David. Uh, I mean, I guess not David, but all those who support him. That's really what's happening here. They are supporters of David. David's a godly man. They are too. You know, I mean, they in the in the priesthood, and he will enlist the help of a Gentile here. Eighty-five priests that day. Uh, that's pretty overwhelming. How it happened, I don't know. And to kill all those animals? To go to Nob then? Okay, you've got uh, the priest and then the he goes to Nob. And I don't know how many are attending with him. Uh, but Saul is the man who ultimately has them killed. But um, yeah. it's amazing the zealousness that he has. Well, it's the place of worship at that time, and that's where the you know the priests were at. That's where the uh, that's where David had gone. Yeah. Well, how low can Saul sink? Interesting. Prophecy comes true here, and here is the sovereign God. 
we've seen something so wicked and our feelings get involved in this too, don't they? Because, hey, these guys are like one of us. You know, they're representing God and His truth. And they get killed like that. And, you know, you feel for them. At the same time, God had said that this kind of thing was going to happen. Now, not in the you know the exact details of how, but go back to 1 Samuel chapter 2. <coughs> I think it's from verse 30, 31, something like that. 1 Samuel 2. And we get something coming true that God had to make. Remember the deal with Eli and his sons and what a fiasco that was. Do you remember that? That's where we are at now. And okay is what we say. Eli, yeah, exactly. He says in verse 31 of chapter 2, Behold, the days are coming when I will break your strength and the strength of your father's house, so will there not be an old man in your house. You will see the distress of my dwelling in spite of all the good that I do for Israel, and an old man will not be in your house forever. Yet I will not cut off every man of yours from my altar so that your eyes will fail from weeping and your soul grieve, and all the increase of your house will die in the prime of life. This will be the sign to you which will come concerning your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. On the same day, both of them will die. And they did, very quickly. But he's saying your whole house is going to be wiped out. But I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and in my soul, and I will build him an enduring house, and he will walk before my anointed always. Uh, I think that's good right there. What he's saying is I'm wiping out your house, Eli, and your sons are going to be taken, and then from there, but there's going to be one I'm going to raise up. Now granted, in this story, we get a priest who is going to be helpful to David all throughout his time, even being a king. But there will be a time when he will have to be removed also because he is in that curse too. So we go to 2 Kings chapter 2, 26. 2 Kings 2, 26. And we'll get further into that story. Oh, oh. Did I? I, I said First Kings, right? I didn't say Second Kings, did I? Yeah. Well, I turned to Second Kings too, but it's really First Kings. I'm sorry about that. I should know better because that's when Solomon is the king at that time. Okay, close enough. We're close. I heard Second Kings and I was flipping through Second Samuel. Okay, if I get to the right chapter here, man, I am really fishing for it here. Okay, 26. Then to Abbey Arthur, the priest, the king said, Go to Anathoth to your own field. For you deserve to die, but I will not be put to you to death at this time because you carried the ark of the Lord God before my father David, and because you were afflicted in everything with which my father was afflicted, his father's David, right? 
So Solomon dismissed Abiathar from being priest to the Lord in order to fulfill the word of the Lord which he had spoken concerning the house of Eli in Shiloh. So Abiathar is not killed by Solomon because of what, how he had treated David and he was with him all that time. And he suffered along with David, and he said, but he removed him from office. And then we move to chapter 2, verse 35, and we get the one who is installed. The king anointed Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, over the army in his place. And the king appointed Zadok, the priest, in the place of Abiathar. So that priestly line that God said was going to be, and I'll raise one up, that's Zadok, and that's still in that line, and, but the curse was on Eli and his family that extended out. And all of that was taking place. God used Saul and Doeg the Edomite to remove them by death, and God in His sovereignty at the same time is sovereign, but He is never responsible for man's sin. Even more interesting than that, considering all of that, is that it wasn't the Israelites who did it. Right. right. The Israelites didn't do it. The Edomite. The Edomite did it. Yeah. But they were removed, and we get to see it right here in Samuel wow. and Kings. You know, he gave a prophecy in chapter two. So it really makes you there wonder. Is. So once again, so how? We see. Saul is like still in line with God's overall plan. Exactly. Yeah, but yet God never tempts anyone. Right. He never makes anybody sin, and yet He has ordained things to happen. But men do that. Judas, you go on and on, and here Saul is a part of this. But it, he is evil in doing what he's doing. Well, yeah, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, oh man, that is just terrible. But it isn't. It's in God's it's plan. Yeah, once you kind of hear the fullness of it. <laughs> That's awesome. Make it so How bad. about the martyrs in in Revelation? Right. That they become Christians, and especially during the Great Tribulation, they're killed almost instantly, or very soon. Yeah. You know, but you know, uh, he was he reestablishes the office of high priest in the line of Eleazar and Phineas. And in Numbers 25, you get that, and we might as well do it, it's time to really quit, and we're really about there. But uh, Numbers 25, 10 says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned away my wrath from the sons of Israel in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them so that I did not destroy the sons of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore say, Behold, I have given my covenant of peace and it shall be for him and his descendants after him a covenant of a perpetual priesthood because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the sons of Israel. So it's back into the hands of Phineas and Eleazar and it extends on out. And there we get it to exactly where God wants it. And, you know, there was a priesthood up through that time, but God says, no, it has to go through this perpetual priesthood, which ultimately is going to be Christ. 
He is our great high priest. So they were all Levi's, but it was a specific line of Levi. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So is there any, you know how there's genealogies all through the Old Testament. Is there any genealogy that shows that down to this Abiathar? Uh, uh, we probably can. Get, I'll have to do some little more searching on that, Debbie, okay. and um, get that. I'll, I'll, I'll check on that. I'll get it to you. Alrighty. I'll well, email it probably, that. It would probably be. I can go look it up. It'd probably be in Genesis somewhere, or Exodus. Uh, probably in Exodus. Yeah, when the priests were were put forth. I need to go back and look at that a little bit further. In the meantime, I got to finish this up. And I had assigned chapter twenty three. We're not going to do that tonight. Yeah. Um, we were moving along pretty good. We were for a Well, Abby author escapes though, escapes to David, he serves he survives, and then he serves David, doesn't he? Pleas to David to tell him, by the way David uh, be really easy to find. I'm just saying. Somebody can they can always find him, can't they? Saul has the hardest time. God, you know what? God has a way of keeping Saul away from him, doesn't he? Isn't that incredible? You know, David assumed full responsibility of the murder of this. And yes, he is. Because he, he admitted that he had seen Doeg when he was at Nob. And that he knew that this man would likely report this about David visiting uh, this and give that to Saul. There's nothing that David can do for this priest here this time, and or the priest that have been slain. But he does offer sanctuary to Abby Arthur, uh, and then we smile at that. Kind of, you know, you already saw who he's going to kill because of me. I'm just thinking if if I'm if I'm worried about about getting killed by the king, I'm staying as far away from David as I can. But you know what? In reality, though, it David is always escaping. Yeah. And the right people can find him, but the other people can't find him. So he must be a good place to be with Adonis Stronghold. Even though he's on the run, he has God's protection. A mighty fortress is our God. And I think the priest knows that. And he said, okay, if I escaped him, I'm going to go far away from him as I can. I'm on David's side. So much for the rest of the parts, which is part number three. We will start there next week. That only makes sense, doesn't it? Okay, well, let's close with prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this evening, and uh, thank you for the insights that you give us. It is a way that we learn you, who you are. It's way over our heads, Lord, in your sovereignty, how... Things can be so bad, but you always make them turn out for good. And your plan is wonderful, and sometimes it's we are in marveling. At the same time, we do not understand your ways. Your ways are not our ways. But Lord, we want to be conformed more and more to the ways that you have disclosed to us that we know. And it's clear in the Word of God of what we are to do and what we're not to do. And uh, Lord, what uh, what a story again 
as bad as it looks, we know that you are above everything. In Jesus' name, amen.